Welcome to the experience. Sharing insights into the future of customer and employee experiences with Avaya. Welcome back to another episode of The Experience, brought to you by Avaya, where we're bringing you thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, technologists, creators, influencers, and others who are bringing to life the future of experiences. I'm Steve Forkham, and on the show today, we have the Financial Services Director at Avaya, Bob Bax, and the Customer, Sales, and Service Managing Director at Accenture, John McNally. Bob and John are with us today to talk all about using AI technology to make banking and financial services more effortless for customers and employees. Bob and John, thanks for joining the show today. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Steve. Thank you very much. So over the past few years, we've seen the industry continue to shift from in-person services to remote customer service and hybrid models. As people with decades of experience in banking, what are your thoughts on the current focus of how to support customer experiences in a way that quickly answers inquiries and gives customers a more frictionless experience for things like account status, loan applications, and other financial services? I think you're asking a question in a great way. The banking's continue to evolve, right? If you go back in time, banking's been providing more frictionless service since the, the dawn of the ATM and new ways to, to reach people. And so in the last three years, we've really seen a drastic acceleration of just the next evolution. We've gone from that to ATM, the introduction of IVR, to now ability to deliver a personalized, somewhat human experience in a very virtual way. So I think that's, a, that's really the, the big shift. That, and people are adopting it. People are really, really buying in. You know, over the last five years or so, banks have really built up capabilities and different modalities. So, I mean, you can text with a customer, you can, the IVR self-service and agents, but they've tended to be fairly siloed capabilities. Hard for a customer to move from one to the other. The capabilities of platforms that are cloud-based and the AI technologies that are now available, it's far easy for a bank to meet the customer where they want to be meted and then shift them to whatever technology makes the most sense for their immediate need. So the, the capabilities that make it easier for a customer to do business with a bank and further just uh, for an agent to have the information and the tools they need to have it at their fingertips and provide a higher quality service and a deeper, more expert level service than they've been able to in the past. Yeah, you know, John, you made an interesting point there, because when I think of banking and technology, my initial thought would be it, it's more of a laggard than an innovator, because with all the regulation that you got to deal with and everything else, my immediate brand perception with that vertical would be more, we let somebody else go first. But when you really look back at technology advancements, and especially in customer service as a bank and customer, it's actually the opposite. ATMs were kind of the first level of automation and customer experience that I can think of in any vertical. And, you know, when you think about the innovation in banking and how it keeps kind of marching on, online banking was at least the same, if not really right near e-commerce and a host of other things. And Bob, you kind of mentioned cloud. 
how do you guys see cloud-based solutions enabling improvements in customer service and information access for banking and other FinServe organizations overall? You know, the cloud is changing the game. One, the overall IT cost to run frees up some budget, right? It's a saving money is always in vogue, right? But the better, more important way is, is the speed to change and then the ability to make those rapid changes more universal across the different channels. Because it's not people using one channel at a time anymore. It's people using multiple channels when they're interacting, right? I was dealing with a person, a personal experience. I'm on the phone with somebody and I'm uploading digitally documents that are relevant to that transaction, right? And I'm doing that with while, while I'm on with a human. And so through the cloud-based technology, the ability to install that very quickly and make sure it's consistent across the channels is a, is a game changer. And again, the, you know, the bank historically has directed how the customer interacts with them. You call in, you're forced mm -hmm. into an IVR and you stay there until you either break out or you complete part of your transaction. Then you're allowed to go to an agent. And once you're with an agent, that you're stuck there. John, John made a good point. Now that a lot of customers are calling in with their smartphone, they have the mobile app for that bank loaded on their smartphone. We can recognize those things and tailor the interaction specifically to that customer, whether it's part of the authentication model, whether it's a disclosure statement, an application signature, any number of things that multimodal experience really becomes a reality. That's another interesting point because I just think of myself as a consumer and I can see the businesses I do business with, including my bank, supporting multiple channels. But what I also kind of notice in my own personal use is I don't necessarily use those channels based off of always what's right for me at the moment. A lot of times I end up using them because I'm trying to cut the line, so to speak. Like, I, I don't want to call because I know the line's going to be outrageous. So I'm going to text or I'm going to send a tweet, you know, to the business. But what often ends up happening is I get more frustrated, not less, because those types of interactions aren't necessarily best served in a tweet. Being able to type 280 characters isn't going to give me the level of nuance of, hey, this is the important problem that I've got. Because as a consumer, we typically try to be self-empowered to do self-service stuff. But when something's important or complicated, I want to talk to an expert. And talk could be a variety of different ways of conversing. So how are, how are cloud delivery models enhancing these communication channels to deliver more of an omni-channel experience that banking and FinServe customers really have come to expect uh, in today's world? There's a number of ways in which that's happening. But you know, most banks over the last few years have really been trying to push digital channels, right? They've just mm -hmm. reduce costs, strip costs out of it, and really train customers to interact with their mobile app, to interact with the web. And but now you can introduce, you can introduce a chat channel. You can push an SMS to the customer while they're on the mobile, and that can all get escalated to an to an agent when it makes sense. Applying AI to those chat and SMS interactions, you can be predictive and adaptive to what the customer is trying to accomplish. Perhaps they don't need to talk to an agent and you can help them through the self-serve. 
but perhaps halfway through, just having that 30-second conversation with an expert can help them through and complete it on their own. So it really takes it to the next level and humanizes that interaction between a customer and the bank. Bob, I, I love that point. And to, to build, build off of that, we tend to think about it in, in three ways that people are, are delivering that, right? One is being proactive on top of those U channels and, and using them in new ways, right? Think about your fraud alerts. Think about a, a collections message that might help somebody nudge them along, right? Second, be personalized in that message. Think about the payload in that message that when you get there, but also think about the personalization of your automation. So in that collections message, maybe you can make a promise to pay because you have the right conditions and I know who you are and where your credit situation is, right? I don't have to embarrass you. I don't have to have you pick up your phone and talk to somebody. You can do it after your shift at night, right? I don't have to work on banker's hours. The last one is then take the human part and augment it with the, the AI technology. So find the right person. When you get to that right person, give them the consistency of the data and the experience that you had coming in, right? If I entered stuff online, bring that into context to help select me and then inform me as the, as the service rep. And then coach me, right? Give me the options. Take some of the decisioning off. And that combination of those three things, a person, you know, proactive, personalized, and then human plus AI combination is how these technologies are, are delivering new experiences in banking, in insurance, and, and, and candidly in every industry. Yeah. And John brought up a good point with collections. And you got to, you think of customers of large entities and you're thinking they want to buy something and they need some service. But with banking customers, you've got distressed customers. You know, perhaps they're three months behind on their mortgage or their credit card bill or they're in collections. And that's been an awkward interaction for the bank to reach out to them because you've got the automated outbound and you get that two seconds of clicking and clattering before you actually have a, a conversation started up between the agent and the customer. With AI, you can push a little notification through SMS to the to the customer that we realize you're behind on your payments. We'd like to discuss this with you. Do you have a free time? You can set up a call with them proactively so that it's at a time when it makes sense for them, they can be sitting in front of their computer. You're just not randomly hitting them up with a phone call. So you can really tailor the timing and the nature of the conversation in a way that was just never possible before. Yeah, and I think what you guys are hitting on is the reality of the world we live in today. Uh, you know, everything's changed. The way that we eat, the way that we shop, the way that we learn, and frankly, the way that we conduct, you know, our banking and our finance is all different. And in the past, when an organization was trying to figure out a customer experience strategy, it always centered around the contact center. An inbound request to an agent or, to your point, Bob, an outbound call to the customer that connects back to an agent. But what John really described was the surface area has exploded where these customer and organization interactions are occurring. Sometimes it's with an employee, sometimes it's not, but a lot of, you know, increasingly with frequency, it's not happening in the contact center. So the way that we've consumed technologies in the past of starting by selecting a product that has a certain number of features and then looking at the business processes and, and making them compromise around the limitation of the chosen product and then training your end users, customers and employees on how to 
you know, operate that kind of broken process. In today's world, that's not that's not sustainable in order to be able to kind of engage this stuff. You really need to start with people, move to the process, and then back into the technology. So what would you guys see are the major benefits of a composable environment that enables you to have or your organization to really kind of look at those case-by-case basis and apply the technology in that model? Well, first, I think, yeah, you're, you're spot on that the world, the world has, has shifted. And I'll, I'll go back, right? Something that's confounded business cases forever is if I just move somebody to digital, they won't call me. And that doesn't happen. Since I got into banking in the mid-90s and the dawn of digital, digital customers were more engaged than other, right? It's another way to amplify. See, it's not a one-for-one. You're getting more chances and, and more touches. And so the shift in technology is allowing for the robotic portion of the experience to feel more human, to feel more personalized, but to be omnipresent, right? Because it scales really, really well and affordably. So not only can you get a lot out there faster versus training, putting somebody in a seat, hope you retain them, hope they say the right thing. You can control that message universally, right? But Mm -hmm. what's important then is that consistency when you bring it home and somebody does want to move from one channel to another, you need to get a universal understanding, a universal data layer, and be able to share it operationally in real time so that you train your customers that whatever channel they go to, they're going to get the same right answer and it's, it'll be consistent. Everyone does it. You call in, you don't get somebody that, that you like, you don't feel the answer. Yeah, wait a few minutes and, and I'll try again. And maybe they'll give me the charge off. They mean they'll give me the exception. Maybe they'll refund my ex, right? And it happens all the time. But if I can make sure that that situation is well represented, and whether you send in a text, whether you're dealing in the app, however you're going about it, if I can do that consistently, one, I make people happier because they feel more confident that you're not just running this giant business by the seat of your pants. And two, it's more efficient because they will lower their their bad contact rate. Sure. And context. John mentioned the the data layer. I mean, obviously banks are regulated, data's got to be secure. But again, going back to the days of on these large on-prem communication platforms, data aggregation was a real issue. I mean, getting all of that customer relevant data available at the time the agent needed it was a real challenge. And when you get into the cloud-based technologies, having that data readily available and usable in the moment, yeah, it makes all the difference in the world. Customer that you know, calls in and you can relate to them to say, we saw that you were just chatting with a off the mobile device, trying to do something with your checking account. Is that what you're calling in for? Or did you have something else you wanted to talk about? Never before would you have been able to greet a customer with that kind of relevance. Yeah, and that leads to an interesting idea of despite all of these technology marvels of, you know, AI and all these other things, there are still needs for humans to support humans, right? There there are humans do human work. And if we can use automation to cut down on the route tasks, that's a home run. So how are banks and other financial services quickly providing access to client managers or other bank representatives if a customer can't complete a task? with, say, self-service online. If they start in a digital tool, Bob, you kind of touched on this. 
how do you create a more satisfying journey and deliver the same level of effortlessness that you do with self-service tools to get connected to a human? Well, there, there's also capabilities of how you identify the, the right agent. I mean, this has been this uh, ubiquitous thing for years. So who is the mm -hmm. right agent for this particular call coming in? You can apply it at an expert level. And again, understanding what the, what the customer's been attempting to do. Why are they calling in? Maybe they really do need that top-notch expert agent. Maybe you have to reach out to a branch to gain that expertise. And again, cloud technologies provide that abstraction across physical uh, footprints of, a, of where people sit across an enterprise. Being able to bring that knowledge to the agent that's relevant based on what we understand this customer is attempting to do. And the real-time tools to keep dipping into that customer data, the bank data, and augmenting the agent experience, make the agent better. If you can make the agent smarter in the moment, customer is going to be happy. I like that answer, right? It, I think kind of build, building off of, of what Bob said, right? When you go to get to a person, whether it's a you know, historical voice is a, it hits you into an IVR, IVRs today with natural language are really good about figuring out who you are. And I don't think we do enough of asking people disambiguating what you want to do because the natural language portion lets you in your own terms tell what you want to do. That lets you select the right person. Even better than the right person, it lets you select the right treatment. We're seeing a lot more, a big resurgence or big emergence, I should say, of customers that say, oh, I can actually fulfill that myself digitally, or I can fulfill that digitally while you put my, you hold my place online, you know, potentially. But I don't want to offer those alternative treatments, whether it's in an IVR or through a human chat routing situation. I don't want to offer those if you just came from that property, right? I, last thing I want to do is send you a URL versus give you or, or some instructions versus your answer, right? And that's why chatbots have a terrible brand name uh, out there in, in many places because the quality matters, mm -hmm. um, right? But you get through and you, if I come through that routing point and I have a little bit of your context and I can ask who you are and I'm confident who, or, in what you want to do, then I can get you to the right person and then do exactly what Bob said, augment that. So not only the right person, I can then coach you with the context of, of that history and maybe some AI. Yeah, John brought up a good point. I've always uh, found this interesting because it, there's customer adoption is a real issue for banks because you're moving on a lot of people in a direction you want them to go. And mobile first was an initiative, has been an initiative, will remain an initiative for a long time. But educating your customer base on what they can do in the mobile app, if they tend to be a contact center frequent caller, is really challenging. You can say it all you want. <clears throat> to John's point, you could send them a link that next time do this. Well, they don't because next time might be three months from now. and There isn't that muscle memory. But if you can embed it in the current agent conversation, where you don't just send them a link and have them do it on their own, you send them a link and you work it through them while you're talking to them. That, that's how education works. Now they, they're in the mobile app, they're talking to the agent. The next time that the, this type of an issue comes up, they're more likely to remember, they're more likely to go to the mobile app. So that education of the customer and shifting of habits 
is bi-directional between the bank and just the nature of customer experience that people are adapting based on all kinds of corporate communication. You know, and I know it wasn't said in this reference, but John made an interesting point around the IBR knowing who you are, being better able to identify who you are. Identity and, and more specifically around security to me becomes uh, another one of those things that has gotten exponentially better as a victim of identity theft myself. I can see the tools and I know what, you know, what's in the market. But what do you guys see are the benefits to allowing customers of banks and other financial services institutions to be authenticated based off of who they are, not what they know, right? Because what they know, there's a lot of people that have the data on me, but there's not so many people that arm me. So, so what do you think the benefits are and, and how are we uh, kind of solving that in the industry? I think the, the biggest the way that we can do that is really recognizing what the customer is operating on as they're calling it. We, we can quickly dip into the communication layer and recognize they're calling in from a smartphone. And then very quickly after that, you can see, are they enrolled in this bank's mobile app? You know, if you get a yes and a yes, now you don't have to ask them any questions about who they are. You can just direct them through a biometrics onboard phone authentication with significant veracity. Now you really, if you have a, a facial image, you have a fingerprint, they are who they say they are. You can just count on that. Because again, banks are regulated and fraud is a huge element, uh, expense to the bank, bad customer experience. But fraud mitigation is really, really expensive. And if if you're only using passwords and knowledge to authenticate your customers, you have to apply that fraud mitigation to every interaction. If you can shift that and with high veracity know that this is that customer, I've got a picture of them, they match, then you don't have to apply all of that fraud. So there's cost savings. There's, it's a far better experience for the customer. I think, you know, the movement off of uh, KBA or knowledge-based authentication is, is huge, right? Because the two forces from two sides. Force one is the fraudsters get more sophisticated and they're trying to get to your, your money, your information, you know, what have you, right? Because that's where the money is, the old the old banking quote, right? That's clearly part of the cat and mouse game. But just having these tools continue to evolve and continue to stay a step ahead is even more important than ever because the nature of working with your bank, right? The the entire conversation today is about new ways of people interacting with the bank through more channels and other ways. So you have to have a better, more sophisticated way to do it. But then the second is the banking products and how you work, right? You're you're now into a more peer-to-peer. You're more into a real-time payment, right? Like think of the evolution of going from cash fraud to check fraud, you know, almost a century ago, right? Like now we're we're in the next evolution of 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 checking cash fraud to, to digital digital fraud in, in, in payment space, right? And so the need for it to evolve to keep up with the banking product and the way people interact with the product and the fact that it it is there and you can do biometrics, you can do biometrics mixed with multi-factor, you can introduce re-verification uh, of, of your customer. That's a, it's a game change. I would say one other sort of random aside, but pertinent, is we're now also seeing in the virtual world, 
employee authentication, employee verification, right? So if I have to have trusted bankers at home, then without being fully you know, big brother monitoring, I can have trust and faith that this person I've trained and the person I've done my background check on is that person on a day-to-day basis in a in a way that goes beyond, you know, sharing your your PC password, you know, working from home. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, I know in season one, we talked with Brett Shockley from Journey, who is really into the the identity space. And I thought another one of the things that was just fascinating about what Journey did and what we've done with one of our shared customers was really the the bi-directional nature of verification. We always think of verification as the customer verifying to the business, but there's a challenge in the market to get customers to even answer your call or to, you know, respond to the text message you did. And part of that is a lack of trust. When the bank calls me, I see the caller ID, but if first thing you ask, is Steve Forkham there? Yes, this is Steve. I don't believe it's you. Can you give me your social security <laughs> number? Can you? It's like, no, but I had to have this discussion with my parents because they answered a call and it turned out legit, thankfully, but they answered a call and just started giving personal information to somebody. It's like, mom, dad, you told me as a kid not to take candy from strangers. Don't give your personal information to strangers on the phone, right? And the use of AI just fascinated me to solve this problem because to your point, I can know when I'm making that outreach to a customer that they have the the mobile app installed, that they're a customer. So I can push notification to say, this is a secured call. This is us contacting you. This is us text messaging you. And then asking, instead of for my personal information, asking me to pass a, a biometric scan. That's just revolutionary. The other thing that it does, Steve, is it it protects that customer data. Because when you're oh, answering yeah. those questions, you are audibly giving very private data to someone else. Mm-hmm. And then they're documenting that in their system. When you're using biometrics, now you're just passing a flag. Yep, this, this customer was authenticated by facial recognition. Check. The agent doesn't need to know their birth date, their social security number, or even their account number necessarily, but they know that they're talking to the customer. And, the, and that trust between, you mentioned the trust, that trust between the customer and the agent just immediately goes up. Not only is it a trust thing, the institutions on the, on the other side, it liberates them from, gives them more business options, right? I can have different people serving that, that contact. In a way, because I'm, I may be dealing with sensitive product, but I don't have to deal with sensitive individual information. I can monitor the product movement. I can monitor transactions, but I can't monitor the, if I'm displaying PII or people are giving it to you. Right. And so that gives you more, more freedom and flexibility to run your business in, in the most efficient way and make a better product. Right? Yeah. I tell Brett that, you know, his app is like the blue check mark icon on Twitter. <laughs> Right? It, it is really kind of leveling a, a level of confidence for businesses to reach out to their customers. You know, so to me, that's that's a mind blowing example of how AI is really changing how we bank and invest. But I'm I'm just on the outside in. I'm just the customer looking at these amazement things. What do you guys, as experts in this space, see AI doing over the next ten years to change how we bank and how we invest? One of the areas is just real time during the during a customer interaction being able to recognize are you meeting their need I, historically you would get them what they need and maybe it was frustrating maybe they left unhappy they still accomplished what they needed but it wasn't a very good experience with 
AI technologies now, you can really be reacting to the sentiment of the customer in real time, provide some coaching to the agent. Maybe they're not hearing those signals that the customer's projecting. They're focused on getting the transaction done, getting on to the next call. So being able to augment the agent's ability to recognize what's going on with a customer with that AI layer and understanding, okay, they're starting to get frustrated. Just back off a little bit. You can send a signal to a supervisor proactively to say, your agent over here is dealing with an unhappy customer. Let's close this now. Because historically, that complaint would be registered. The supervisor would call the customer back the next day. It's an awkward way to keep them happy. But if you can do it during the interaction, so much more powerful. Yeah, I think AI and banking, I don't know about over 10 years, but certainly over the next five, uh, I don't know if I'm smart enough to look 10 years out. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, of course, the the things everyone everyone thinks about decisioning, underwriting, compliance, it's going to go use its ability to consume massive disparate data sources on behalf of the employee and the, and the customer. But I think where one of the biggest experiential changes is going to be is that your need to interact with a human banker is going to become much more concentrated, right? You're going to have the ability to handle more complex transactions. You're going to have situational transaction and, and be able to serve them in a self-service, self-driven, on-your-own-time manner, and people are going to adopt it. But what that means is that human component is going to move from a commodity phone contact center service workforce to one that's going to have a higher value because they're going to, in, in, a, in a much smaller footprint because they're going to have deep relationship and emotive EQ type interactions in, in their, their responsibility. Right? I don't really need a loan officer to call me to go tell me to, to update some information on my loan or, you know, here's my step. The, the robot can do that, or better yet, I can run through my own workflow if you if you presented me that, right? What I need is somebody to explain to me some very unique credit situation that needs to be resolved in order to make that loan happen, right? And that's the type of residual that I think we'll see that, again, all the noise, the 80% that people you know wish they could get rid of and the 20% you want to keep is going to come more to fruition than ever. And I think there's also going to be an ability to draw in those experts and John kind of touched on, but they don't have to be sitting in a contact center. They don't have to be connected to the phone system of a contact center, whether they're sitting at home in an office or whatever. They can just be an expert worker doing what they do. But now you can stage because maybe having that interaction five minutes from now is totally okay with a customer. You can set it up, you can schedule it, you can time it, you bring the right person in, they get everything they need, they get a good experience, they move on, they're happy, and retention becomes a much better thing. But that idea that they're calling into an 800 number and you have to respond right now with the best person available, that's going to fall away a little bit. We want to give people lifelines, let them phone friends, right? Right. Getting the right answer is important, not so much getting the right answer right now. You know, Bob, John, I want to thank you guys for coming on and sharing your experience in the banking and financial services industries. Absolutely eye-opening stuff. Really appreciate you joining the show today. Thank you very much, Steve. Appreciate it. Bob and Steve, thanks for having me join you today. 
this is great stuff. Love where, you know, the industry's moving fast right now and couldn't be more excited, couldn't be a better topic. Thanks again to Bob and John for coming on the show and talking about how AI technology is making banking and financial services more effortless. If you're enjoying this show, please be sure to rate and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Steve Forkham, and this has been The Experience, where we share insights into the future of customer and employee experiences.